Before we get started, I have an important message. If you're on Medicare or about to be, you don't want to go it alone. And you don't want to just call the first guy who sends you a postcard. My husband did that, and he wound up with some bad advice that costs us a penalty each month that will never go away. So what can you do? Contact one of our member experts by going to certifiedmedicareagents.com and searching your state for an agent. You'll be able to look through our member agents and read about them. Then you can reach out to the agent or broker you select directly through the site. Now, one thing you should know is other sites who do this sell your information to 15 or more agents so you can get hundreds of unwanted phone calls. Not so with CertifiedMedicareAgents.com. You'll only be contacted by one agent, and if there is a problem, I may personally reach out to you, but generally you will only hear from the one agent you select. So head on over there right now before you forget and find a qualified and certified agent that can help you today. Now, let's start our program. Welcome back to the Rocky Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein. My husband is with me, Les. Say hello, Les. Hello. How's everybody? (laughs) (laughs) We are continuing our series today on pain. So last week, we just sort of introduced the subject. We're talking about a Consumer Reports article where they talk about how pain is viewed in the United States, how there's not enough doctors to go around. We're talking chronic pain now. And how there are other therapies that most of us have never really heard of or we've heard of it, but we haven't been using it because our doctors haven't brought it up. A lot of these therapies are actually covered by some insurance. Now, probably some of them are not going to be covered by Medicare, but if you're a younger person looking to retire or a younger retiree, then your insurance actually may cover some of these therapies. So this week, we're going to talk about part two of the article. So Les, what's part two about? It's these alternate therapies, such as massage, mindfulness, which is something we need to talk about because that's kind of a strange nomenclature, Uh, sleep, posture therapies, and many other things. So last week, you kind of touched on sleep. So how can sleep help your pain? I mean, I know I've had guests on the show before where they said that sleep actually helps you with dementia, but what about pain? Well, it depends on what the pain is, of course, but pain that's caused by things like inflammation, the inflammation is going to go down as you sleep because uh, your body is trying to heal itself. But there are other things. Your brain causes things like neuropain. Like nerves? Yeah. And your brain is, is running that. So your brain is running during the day on full But in sleep, your brain is resting, and so oftentimes the neuropain also rests along with your your brain. So combination of healing and and, uh, calming your body 
are apparently what they're talking about when they talk about not skimping on sleep. You know, I can tell you that, um, I, I mean, I don't get sick that often, but when I do get sick, what's the only thing I want to do, Les? Sleep. Yeah, even if I have just a small cold, I usually just want to sleep. That's all I want to do. And then I'm usually over it in a day or two. If yeah, I that's can... because your you, sleep, your your immune system is working overtime while you're sleeping to, to try to fight whatever's happening that your body doesn't like. Right. You know, it's it's interesting how in our society, people think it's a badge of honor that they didn't miss a day of work or that they work when they're sick. You know, you, you hear people talk about that, right? Yeah. I It always kind of made me mad that somebody was coming into my office sick because then I, I'm like, well, wait a minute. It's like this kid, this kid just recently got an award from some teacher organization for going through 12 years of school without missing one day. Uh-huh. And, and how many days did he make other people miss because he came in sick yeah. and got everyone around him sick? Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's a good thing working when you're sick. You're going to infect everybody. But then I'm kind of a germaphobe, aren't I? Yeah, that's true. But... By the same token, if you're working while you're sick, your sickness is going to last longer. So, exactly. Exactly. And so you're going to feel horrible for longer because you didn't give yourself time to heal. Right. Exactly. So in any case, when it comes to chronic pain, sleep is really important. That's the bottom line. Hmm. And that's probably true for anything. We taught anybody. We, we talked about how, how these therapies or chronic pain are personal, but I think sleep is somewhat universal, that we need sleep. Right, yeah, we do. This article said that research suggests that combining the treatments is the key to lasting pain relief, that we can get temporary pain relief from taking pills, but if we really want lasting pain relief, we need to combine things, and sleep was part of that. It's interesting that it said that poor sleep can worsen your pain, but if you're in pain, it's harder to sleep. So in the last episode, you touched on the fact that you have been having some pain at night and you've been taking ibuprofen so that you can sleep. Has that been helping your pain the next day? Yeah. I, w I wake up literally after a, a night of good sleep and the pain is gone. And especially is that the only thing? Is that the only thing you've tried, just ibuprofen? I mean, I know for me, I turn my phone into the sleep mode about 30 minutes before I go to bed. You know, there's that light in the bathroom that keeps me awake, so I shut that door. We got all of the phone equipment out of our room and into the closet. Do you think any of that is helping, the fact that we've removed some of the devices? Sure, I, I think so. But uh, I think those things have less of an impact on, on my sleep than they do you. But I, I do think light is something that you have to minimize. That, that is, is probably universal. And, I know uh, that our, our window coverings don't keep out the light at all. No. And it's taken me a while. You know, I'm really the type of person, because I grew up in Alaska, I'm used to total blackout shades. Because, of course, in Alaska, you have light 
for three to four months out of the year, it, it doesn't get dark. I'd say three months of the year. So most of the homes are equipped with complete blackout shades, even though they're not as pretty as some of these other window coverings. Uh, you have to in order to get the get the sleep that you need. Yeah, that's that, that's definitely the case. And we have these clocks that light up at night, and we have uh, these pilot lights that are on things like the hair dryer. That's why I have to keep the the door I mean, shut. Think about it. Introduction of the LED has made all these things possible, but by the same token, it's it's lit up the houses at night, you know, with these little pilot lights. And I can see that that can contribute to lack of sleep. Well, when we're traveling and we are staying in a hotel, and hotels are the worst when it comes to those little lights everywhere, I have to take a towel and throw it over all of the devices so that it covers up yeah. the, the lights. Because I am terrible sleeper if, if there's light in the room and I have a sleep mask but it comes off you know just like earplugs come out of my ears the sleep mask comes off and then I'm awake yeah, yeah that's true well it's it's funny I I often think as an engineer how could I put people through this light problem by putting such bright LEDs on some of these pieces of equipment it's crazy yeah it's, why it's, what's it's the point nuts. <laughs> yeah. What the point is, I don't know. If you're an engineer that works with some of these devices that have lights on them, please post in the show notes why they're necessary because I just don't yeah. understand why all number these Yeah, number one, why they're necessary. Number two, why they have to be so bright. You know? Right. Why can't we uh, turn them off too? I, I don't understand yeah, that. Yeah. So there, there's that. But the other thing that I do oftentimes if I'm in pain is I just get up and walk around because you know the pain is usually in my feet and that tends to help and that goes to the next part of this and that is talking about moving well but a lot so, of people don't want to move because it hurts to move and i know well, in, in the last episode you talked about a book that dick van dyke wrote right right and it's called keep moving i believe yes yeah and we, we actually got to meet Dick Van Dyke for a brief moment. We were at a conference that he was at. And so we, we had him an aging up. conference on aging, actually. Right. It was a, a San Diego conference on aging. They have it every year. He was the keynote speaker. And so we got to meet him afterwards. And it was really exciting because, you know, I grew up with Dick Van Dyke, right? And as of this recording, he's, he's still living, correct? As I know, yes. Yeah, so as of this recording, we're recording this in May of 2019. I'm not sure when these episodes will be released. But as of this recording, he's still alive. And he really spoke a lot about how exercise keeps you healthy and alive. Oh, he, he, it wasn't just exercise. It was just moving. I mean. Right, which is exercise. Of, right. One of the things that they talk about in this article is oftentimes people will have pain and they'll not use that thing. You know, let's say it's your arm, the pain in their arm or your shoulder, not move the shoulder. Well, the worst thing you can do is to not move your shoulder because, because and it seizes uh, up, atrophies up. That's right. That's right. So but it's hard. I mean, I can understand why people with pain don't want to use like, for example, you said that you have pain in your feet. So you start, you start walking, but a lot of people with pain in their feet aren't going to want to walk. 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. Or they're pain in their back. They don't want to get up out of the chair. Right. And, and the fact of the matter is that it's just going to make it worse if they don't. You know? It's easy so, to say. Hard yeah. to do. Oh, yeah. It's painful. I mean, right. you know, that's, that's the point, you know. I mean, you have to be careful because you can actually make the injury worse. if you. And if that's you where physical, physical therapy comes into play. Yeah, that's right. Having somebody to, to show you the best way to deal with this problem. Yeah, it says in the article, let's see here, they, they reviewed, it was a Cochrane study, of a review of 264 studies involving nearly 20,000 adults with chronic pain. And it says that physical activity can reduce pain and improve your ability to move through your day. And it specifically said that a physical therapist can help you with this. And it doesn't have to be, you know, lifetime physical therapy, but they can, they can help you. They can offer strength and stretching exercises that can help. And it's tailored to your own needs and your own abilities because it's a physical therapist. And it also said that there are certain posture improvement programs, such as the Alexander Technique. And I always have trouble pronouncing this neck. Feldenkrais? Feldenkrais, yeah. I don't know. I've, I've I mean, I've definitely heard of, heard of it. It's spelled F like Frank, E-L-D-E-N-K-R-A-I-S. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But the article said that these posture improving programs can really help with pain as well. And so can Tai Chi and yoga. And yoga. Yeah, because as you get older, a lot of the pain is in your back. Right. And it's usually because of your bad posture and and uh, and the fact that you're sitting poorly and so on. Now I know that when I try to improve my posture, even when I'm walking, it makes a difference. It it because uh, I I get a pain in my shoulder if I'm hunching over, and that's what many people as they get older do. Now the article talks about. Tai Chi and yoga, we're not doing that, but we are doing something called Ki, is it Ki? I, I could never pronounce it correctly. Qigong, Ki. Qigong, qi, qi Qigong. Qi, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can't even pronounce it, but it's no. um, C-H-I. We can't pronounce it, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's basically, a, it's kind of like Tai Chi, but it's more meditative movement. Would, would you describe it like that? Meditative yeah, movement? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and the article talks about the, the mind-body connection. And that's what that kind of uh, movement with meditation does. It, it connects the body with the mind. And it definitely is relaxing. And, and do you feel less pain after the, after the session? Yeah, I feel the good kind of pain. There's pain and there's pain, right? Right. Uh, the good kind of pain is uh, from stretching, you know, you feel it, or from lifting weights for a while. It's it's a good kind of pain. I feel that kind of pain. I think we should build up to Tai Chi. You know, the reason why we're doing the um, Qigong is because the Tai Chi, there's a lot of movements that are hard to remember. And in where we're taking the Qigong, it just... Qigong, Qigong, whatever. I apologize if I'm pronouncing it wrong. It just seems easier to understand the movements currently. I mean, isn't is it's that... worse than uh, line dancing for me in some way? <laughs> what Tai Chi or Qigong? Tai Chi, yeah. 
Well, I think part of it too is who's doing the who's doing the instructing. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, you know, move my arm up this way and then and then transition to my leg to the left, you know, and all that. And it's it all is timed. I mean, it, it it's like a dance. Right. And, it's kind of too fast, whereas the yeah. qigong is much slower. Right. Right, because it's more meditative. So that's what we're doing now to help with posture and pain and just overall health as well. When we were on that cruise in in Asia and we went, remember when we went to that park and there were all oh, of in China, yeah. In Beijing. People, yeah, in Beijing. There was maybe fifty people. How many people were in that in that park doing oh, that? I, I think there were more than fifty, you know, but uh, it was a huge number of people that were all obviously in later years, you know, there were people that were I mean, were we're very, talking in their 80s. Yeah, there were people that were very old there. But all of them were moving and doing different, um, different types movements. of, yeah, different types of movements. Not just, not just that, the, the normal exercise as well, you know, the pull-ups and... Well, and, you know, it was so interesting in this park, they had maybe 50 pieces of equipment yeah stations yes yeah mm -hmm. stations in this park and all of these people would go to the park every day and they would do their exercises so they would you know some of them were doing the tai chi some of them were doing the stations and remember when we saw that man spinning around yep you yep. know we should try to find that video and put it in the show notes yeah, we could do, do that. Do you think we still have that? Oh, yeah, we have it. Sure. And this man was probably, what, 60 or 70? Yeah, he's in that range. Mm -hmm. Then there was the other guy who bent bend down, so his head, like, was touching the ground. And yes. Feet, I mean, it was a total 100% uh, fold of his body. <laughs> it was amazing. You know, um, the the Asia has a much more healthy connection with their bodies than we do, I think. Yeah, because it's part of their their culture in so many of the countries over there to connect mind with body, you know. And they move until they die. Yeah. You know, remember those those um, 80-year-old women divers? Oh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine that here in the U.S., women diving, working when they're 85 years old? Nope. And so we... We have a much different attitude towards movement. I mean, it is changing, but still the idea of retiring is sitting in your rocking chair. Now, where we live, obviously, it is very active. I mean, yeah, a, lot of, a lot of people walking, a lot of people playing golf, a lot of people riding bikes. Pickleball guy. I mean, there's yeah. more activities where we live now than, where, than when we were in San Diego living in a younger community. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so, yeah, I just think that living in a community where it's normal to move is probably going to help us stay, stay more active and healthy longer. Yep. That's right. So back to the pain. So we talked a little bit about massage. We talked about these posture type exercises. Now, mindfulness. I thought this was very interesting because there's a treatment that I'd never even heard of 
called Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, or CBT, mm-hmm. not to be confused with CBD, <laughs> which it says that typically you get seven to 10 sessions when you're going through this type of therapy, and the therapist can teach the patient to identify thoughts and behaviors that actually worsen pain and replace them with a new thought pattern designed to calm the nervous system and relieve pain, and that you can ask your doctor for a referral, and you can look for a therapist that has training in this cognitive behavioral therapy. Have you ever heard of that before this article? Well, I've heard of mental therapy to deal with pain. Well, I've heard Uh, of it to deal with psychological pain, but never physical pain. Oh, yeah, physical. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. I never even heard of that. But I've never heard of uh, CBT, and I've never heard of the Association for Behavioral and Cognitive Therapies. And the American Psychological Association, which uh, is, is both mental pain and physical pain. Well, I've heard of biofeedback, but I don't think that's what they're talking about. No, I don't think so either. I don't. I, I think it's it's the ability to take your mind off of the pain, you know, and put your mind somewhere else. You know, we should try to find one of these therapists and get them on, and so they can tell us what they actually do. Because honestly. Yeah. We really don't know what they do because we've never heard of this before. Sure, that's right. That's right. So I, I just thought that that's that was really interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. It is. Oh, um, um, we another passed, thing. passed over one thing about massage, by the way. What's that? It's so important that the therapist have an understanding of anatomy and, uh, and physiology to, to be of real help to you. Well, so you, you know, my therapist, my massage therapist back in, in, uh, San Diego did. Yeah. Um, she, she was great. She even, she even helped a little bit with my dystonia. Remember when she did that therapy with me? Yeah. That yeah. Cranial, sacral, cranial. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so she was, she was really, really good. It, it just says that when you go to a massage therapist, it's, it's helpful to know what kind of training they've had. That's, that's all because I've gone to quite a few massage therapists that, that aren't really that helpful to me. You know, a chiropractor, for instance, would, would be helpful because a chiropractor does understand anatomy and physiology. So I, I think it's important anyway to pay, pay attention to that because you'll go to a massage therapist that doesn't help you, might be because they don't understand your body that well. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, and I would say that any type of service or medical professional is kind of going to be the same. You're going to need to find one that resonates with, yep. you know, with you and and find that that person that that works with with you and your body and your condition. Yeah. Yep. Chiropractic helps me immensely when I'm in pain because it's usually because of something that's out of place, you know, in my neck. And sometimes I can feel in the back, you know, like a rib. Well, that's very rare, but if I have a rib that's out of place, I pretty much can't do anything until that's fixed. But acupuncture, you know, I, I did acupuncture for a while in, 
in my face because of my dystonia and I've done it for pain. What do you think about acupuncture? Oh, I'm very positive on it. I, I went through acupuncture when I had a shoulder pain and it really helps, but you have to go to somebody who knows what they're doing. And that's, that's not easy to find necessarily. Right. I went to a, an old guy, probably in his seventies, uh, Asian guy that is, was chain, trained in China. And uh, he also gave me some herbs that, uh, that I took for the pain. And he was really helpful. Is that when you but, had your bike accident? Uh, it was after that. But uh, no, actually what happened was I, I hurt something in my back when I swung a skimmer cleaning the pool. <laughs> sounds like a, a sudden, first sounds like a first world problem to me yeah that, that's right but but what happened was that all of a sudden i just felt this sharp pain and the, and the pain didn't go away i went through all kinds of neurologists i went through a, a surgeon to talk about possibly getting surgery to get rid of this thing it was right in the middle of my back. And, and then uh, finally you found an acupuncturist. And the acupuncturist combined with some exercises that, that uh, my chiropractor gave me, that combination was what did it. Hmm. Well, you know, it just goes to show that when you have some kind of ongoing pain, you need to try different, different things and combination, yeah. combination of things to try to alleviate it. And so we're going to be talking next week about anti-inflammatories, muscle relaxants, fish oil, those kind of things, and talk about how they, they might be able to relieve your pain as well. So anything that you want to say before we say goodbye to the listeners for this week? Well, there's one other thing that I, I forgot to mention, and that is my roller. Oh, that's true. That would come under more like exercise, right? Well, kind of exercise and also uh, stretching, you know. But every night I have a, a roller that's about eight, in, eight inches in diameter and about uh, two feet long. And I lay on that thing and roll it up and down my back and, and feel the uh, vertebrae cracking as I move it up and down the back. And that's like, that's some of the things like uh, posture exercise as well as uh, just movement. Mm -hmm. And I really think that that has made my life much better. Every and night. Who gave you, who, what type of person gave you the idea to do that? Chiropractor, of course. <laughs> that's right. And you've been doing it religiously since yes. you went through that, that treatment plan. That's right. And it really made a difference. So right. again, again, it's movement. It's a particular type of movement for right. my particular problem. So some of these things that we're talking about are not covered by Medicare. Acupuncture is not covered by Medicare. Massage right. therapy is generally not covered by Medicare. The type of chiropractic that Les was doing was not covered by Medicare. There were some parts that were, but there was an ongoing teaching kind of that the chiropractor was doing, you know, remaking his body, learn to sort of live in a different, in a different manner. That wasn't covered by Medicare. Sometimes when we're dealing with our health, we don't necessarily 
want to just do things that are covered by insurance because sometimes we have to take it upon ourselves to go outside of what is covered by insurance, such as massage therapy, acupuncture, these type of things, and we'll be better and healthier in the long run. Don't you agree? Yeah, until they get accepted as methods to get rid of pain and and, uh, treatment methods, we're going to have to go outside of Medicare. That's right. Right. And so next week, we'll be talking about some pills that you can take that might help. And until then, we're so glad that you listened, you know, that you joined us today. And we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. 